Holly's sister and her boyfriend. So there are big squad. Seven, seven of us. Cool, cool. And you right just now? rented you just rented a, a big old house and we're all in together, yeah? Have a look at this. Have a look at my view. Every oh, single every single every single day. See, I'm gonna be annoyed now. Yeah, I'm annoyed. I'm pretty annoyed, man. Not impressed. I'm I'm not I'm not impressed at the circumstance. I'm impressed at the view, but I'm I'm not impressed by why I'm not there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like I'm staring across a building site right now in in, in short shortage. Um, hardly uh, hardly the same. Um, hey, look, shortage is cool. You can't complain. I know, but but you know what? That looks like paradise, and Cornwall is surprisingly like that. It's like uh, irrationally underpopulated. But in the world of remote, I reckon like half the UK is going to flee there. There's no reason why it shouldn't have like 10 million people living in Cornwall. Um, well, I can tell you that the um, property prices here would support what you just said because they are extortionate. It's already it's priced in, basically, the idea people want to live there. Um, it's expensive. Yeah, it's mm. expensive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and you need, you need a car, obviously, several cars if you've got a family because the, the public transport is, is too big and weirdly shaped for you to get anywhere comfortably in public transport. So you're going to have to have uh, you guys, two cars, right? So you've got to maintain that. So, um, so yeah, it's probably pretty pricey, but you get space and you get like, um, beaches basically, which is rare in the UK. Um, yeah. Oh, there it's cool. amazing. There's like 200 villages basically right around the, might be more than that. 200, 300 villages right around the coast of Cornwall, and every one of them is slightly different. They've all got their slight, slightly unique mm. character, but they're all beautiful, all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, and we've got some Cornish, Cornish friends in the recruiting industry. Um, um, Matt Buckland, I believe, is Cornish. Um, right. and isn't Matt Alder also uh, sort of from Cornwall? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. So, yeah. so there's a few. There's a few of the recruiting. Uh, community, the big wigs of the recruiting community are from there, but they obviously moved to London, moved to Edinburgh to get uh, into those spots. You know, my my first ever my first ever customer candidate ID is in Cornwall. It's Specsavers. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, folks, we're talking about better places to live, um, and it turns out Adam Gordon is doing the uh, a, a pseudo digital nomadism style uh, or work from anywhere, right? So relocated family for what seven weeks or whatnot yeah. into. Um, a very underrated part of the world, Cornwall, folks. So if you fancy, you know, a bit of English uh, sort of uh, seaside vistas, then um, then Cornwall might not be a bad place to be. Good surfing as well, apparently. So um, so if you ever want to get into involved in that, then uh, Cornwall is the place to do it. Um, anyway, we're live, everybody. Uh, welcome to Brain Food Lab on Air, bringing it to you every Friday, no fail. Um, and it's episode 163 today. And this is a show I always wanted to do because it deals with two Two topics I'm really quite sympathetic to. Um, firstly, I'm very sympathetic to uh, a kind of marketing and advertising generally, um, even though most people kind of these days are really thinking, oh, God, I hate advertising. No, advertising is a good thing. Uh, you need to discover products. You need to discover people. You need to discover opportunities. Advertising is a great way to do that. It's just got to be relevant and, and, uh, and in the right place in the right time. And secondly, it's dealing with something really close to my heart, stereotypes. I love stereotypes. Um, we definitely need to use stereotypes. We still do. I know we call them personas, right? Um, but personas is just like the polite word for stereotypes. Um, and we're going to be talking today 
about generational stereotypes, generational cohorts, and how you might want to differ your marketing approach to these people and whether it's actually even ethical to do so. I was in RecFest last week, had a really good conversation. I listened to a really interesting talk from the first speaker on the uh, on my stage, and she was talking about the even the use of persona is itself problematic um, because you're extracting um, sort of a number of characteristics and you're applying it to a wider group um, and it loads in bias as you go forward. And I thought very compelling argument. So is there a, an ethical problem with the use of personas, which everyone in marketing does anyway? Like I say, personas, cohorts, kind of stereotypes, same stuff, more polite language. Is it right or wrong to use? And if we are going to use it, how do we actually do it properly in such a way that it does actually work with regards to encouraging different types of people to apply to the jobs that we're, we're marketing um, and uh, but still do so in some sort of equitable way? Love to hear uh, what our panelists have got to say in it. Love to hear what you guys have got to say in it. Anyway, um, let's uh, do some uh, a sort of uh, housekeeping before we begin. Just want to check whether audio is okay. So people on Crowdcast, if you can hear me okay. Uh, please let me know whether the uh, you can see and hear Gordon and uh, Adam Gordon my, and myself. Um, we've got a new way of broadcasting now, so uh, everything can potentially break. But we should be simultaneously going for LinkedIn, Facebook Live, and Twitter Live in a completely new configuration I'm doing through Restream. So let me know if you're watching in those channels whether the audio is fine there. Um, and I just want to make sure that everyone can hear and get involved in this conversation in the right place. Um, okay, a few people in Crowdcast are saying, okay, um, I have no idea whether LinkedIn's still on. Uh, LinkedIn, give me give me something, because um, that's actually quite important. Uh, okay, um, a quick shout out to our sponsors. As always, we cannot do this show without support, sponsor support. Um, we are very, very happy, I think, to introduce uh, at the first time this company has sponsored any brain food action. It is Adway. Um, love to see uh, great technology coming out of Sweden. Adway.ai are a programmatic um, advertising solution that basically amps up your social media. They're going to basically figure out how to put your recruiting ads and recruitment marketing into the right social media channels and, of course, into the right audience. So very, very appropriate uh, to the conversation we're having today. And in fact, we've got Claire Bush, who's a super experienced marketing person, but also now the VP of marketing at Adway. She's going to be joining us in this conversation later on. Anyway, uh, check out Adway. It's adway.ai. Excellent company. Great bunch of folks. Um, I think they're going to head in uh, some big, uh, they're going to they're gonna go big uh, simply because I think they've got a really compelling uh, product. Okay, um, welcome to Adam Gordon. Um, great to see you again, sir, and, and good to know you're in a good place. Um, how, uh, so I guess we need to talk about the newsletter, right? So uh, how was the, did you read it? Did you find a time in between wandering around those lovely Cornish villages and eating Cornish pasties <laughs> to read to read brain food? Uh, no Cornish pasties, by the way, I should say. Um, I'm on a diet, <laughs> so uh, Cornish pasties don't, don't really you work. You have to have at least one Cornish pasty whilst you're in Cornwall. That's no, I haven't haven't done that. No, absolutely not. So, um, yes, the... Uh, okay. So, um, Gary V. <laughs> yes, I have. Gary, Gary, Gary V. Everything he says is common sense once you've heard him say it mm. uh, and a lot of it you don't necessarily realize until you know you go oh wow okay totally understand that now and um so anyway three tips for hiring top talent 
One was um, big egos lose talent. Totally understand. That is absolutely correct. Um, the second is uh, s- redefining potential, soft skills. Um, I'm, I'm, Do you need to answer the door? Um, it's not. The, it's not the door. It's my phone, and I, I wonder if it's. I wonder if it's a problem. Take the call, uh, but it's, you got to be on air. I mean, I want to hear this. So no, no, so, no, yeah. absolutely not. I, I can't really. I can't really. But it seems like it almost seems like there's a problem because it's the who, same. It's who, just it's my it's, my it's my wife. Uh, answer the call. She's burst the she's burst the car tire. Oh, do you need to fix that? Uh, I I need. Give me, yeah, give me 30, yeah. 30 seconds, right? This That's is live. This is live broadcasting, right? Thirty it, seconds. It is live broadcast. But go and check it out. If you need to go fix your, the, the fix your wife, go fix your wife. That's much more important. Um, we can't have Holly stranded in the middle of Cornwall, folks, can we? Uh, very, very important. We sort this out. Um, yeah. Anyway, I was going to say, quite right, Ross. You know what I mean? We have to be able to handle this, and this is the nature of live broadcasting. If stuff happens, you know, you got to keep going. We the show will go on. There's lots of stuff going. Happy wife, happy life. I think you're quite right, Keith. Um, but in this case, if there is a situation where Holly is on the side of a road, um, uh, you know, that needs to be taken care of. Dude, what's going on? Uh, yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> go, go get take, it. Take saying, get, yeah, get, get my, your wife. My, my wife. My wife and kids are on a lane, in, down a, stuck down a lane about 10 miles away with no... So I've, I've, I'm going to have to leave and go and collect them in the car. Go, 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 take your time. We'll carry on the show without you. That's totally fine. Unprecedented, folks. This is never, in four years or something, this has never happened. Let it's me just tell you, happened. Firefox privacy strips its URLs of tracking. That doesn't matter. Yeah. There's mil- millions of reasons, to, ways to get around that. Gary Vee's yeah. tips, they're good. The eight most demanded programming languages. Interesting to notice that some of them are really old. Um, yes, yeah, and, and then I wanted to cover the ten reasons why your sourcing team isn't successful as well, because some All of right. those are great. If story sort out the situation, if you're back before time, that's great. If not, no worries about it. Um, but safe driving, okay? Don't uh, don't you drive too fast to get there. Go ahead, go see you later. Um, goodness me, would you ever believe that? I mean, this is the, this is the why I love live broadcasting. People say, "Oh, why do you actually get a studio and you know, do recorded?" No, because you would not see action like this. Um, uh, you know, Adam Gordon having to put his Superman he is sort of uh, uh, vest on <laughs> to go and fetch his wife. Oh dear, oh dear. Anyway, at least it sounds like Holly and the kids are okay, and it's just going to be a case of fetching, uh, basically getting uh, getting getting them picked up in a car. So uh, hopefully we'll get Adam Gordon back on the show. Anyway, loads of stuff to read in the newsletter. We always kind of review it. I just recommend you do read it, not only because I write the damn thing, because I do think it adds a little bit of interest adds a few things that might be uh adding some value to your thought process in the week it is called recruiting brain food for your week ahead um so i'm going to share this in the chat stream uh for you guys um we're not going to have time to review everything it was episode 300 by the way last week um go and avail yourself to that if you're on linkedin i can't and and facebook and twitter and those sort of places i can't really put anything into a stream uh, but you can go to recruitingbrainfood.com and just register on there and you'll be able to get the newsletter uh, on Sunday. Okay, we're going to be talking about recruiting, marketing to the generations. We've got some amazing guests to bring on, so I'm going to just go ahead and immediately do that. Um, let's bring on Claire Bush, as I mentioned. I believe that's you, Claire. Um, I do see Dave there as well. Google Dave. Let's bring him on. He's actually called himself Google Dave. Um, 
and I believe Josh has got to be Josh Willows. Um, there we go. There we go. We're all in. Um, all right. By the way, um, shall we take a, a little bit of a, 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 a kind of a poll as to which which wheel that Holly burst as she was driving that car? Was it the front left, front right, back right, back left? What do you reckon, folks? <laughs> Let me know in chat stream and what's going on. Um, anyway, we've got some <laughs> got some friends to join us. So Claire, Claire Bush, Google Dave, good to see you too. Uh, Claire, for the people who don't know you, can you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? Uh, wow. Um, I am Claire Bush. I have a very sore throat. I've been off oh. a week on holiday, but um, yeah, it seems that my voice has not rested in this week off. Um, I have been at both the companies that Josh has just left and the company that Dave is still at. Marketeer. Amazing. You're a, you're, a, you're a hero marketeer and great to have you on the show, Claire. And I'm sorry to hear that your voice isn't uh, is, isn't in top tip top shape, uh, but we'll, we'll try and carry you through it. Um, and uh, we have Google Dave, of course, the Everton supporter. Um, very famously. Um, Dave, for the pe people who don't know you, who are you? What it is you do? I don't actually know what I do at the moment, mate, to be honest with you. I don't know what I do. Oh man! Hello everyone. I'm Dave. I'm a um, what do I do? I um, what do I do? I'm part of PH Creative. We're an employer brand and a recruitment marketing agency based at the Centre Universe, which everybody knows is Liverpool over there. There you go. That flag's got a bit of a, a history lesson, actually. Well, it's got it's historic. It was wrapped around my nan's tree in 1986 when we beat Everton 3-1, and my nan dressed the whole tree up in red and white. That flag stayed with us since then, basically. So there you go. So hello, everyone. Good to see and you. That is, that is the same. That is the same flag. It hasn't faded at all. It looks exactly as it is. I, I mean, you must preserved it, uh, it very, very well, mate. So, uh, so well, well done. It, it, it comes out special occasions. So, like FA Cup League, it come back out. And brain food live, it, you know, obviously special occasion. Um, so totally, totally respect it. Okay, and Josh Willows, Josh, how are you? Good to see you. What do you do? Um, who are you and what it is you do? Quickly. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, I've spent um, kind of ten years or so working in sales and recruitment advertising for for different vendors, which is where I used to work with Claire at Broadbean. Um, and most recently, I've been spending the last nine months at IBM, where I'm global job distribution and performance specialist. Um, quite niche job title. So what that <laughs> means, what that means in English is I'm responsible for um, where all our jobs are posted. So there's about thirteen thousand or so at any one time. Um, what those adverts look and feel like, and then generally how those jobs perform on the wide world of the internet. Amazing. So we have we not got the perfect panel uh, to talk about this topic, folks? I think this is a really important uh, thing to deal with. Okay, so first things first, I would say most companies basically have a very universal approach to advertising for jobs. In other words, they're recruiting for X number of people. They're not thinking about different generational types of people that they may want to attract. They're just saying, here's a job, bang it out, it's distributed. Broadbean actually support this behavior in many respects because it's made it easy to distribute jobs very efficiently. And that kind of mitigates against, I guess, being a little bit more customized and thinking, hang on, you know, we're knowing that maybe people who are coming into the workforce um, for the first time in, in, in this year, they've actually got very different media consumption behaviors. Um, does it mean that we need to distribute in different places, maybe use different types of content, different types of text, 
images, whatever. So it's I'll be very interested to know uh, whether you know of any decent examples of companies that have varied their um, their recruitment marketing approach based on different generational cohorts. Uh, does this happen, or is it like completely no? It doesn't happen. Everyone is doing the the, the just one blast out to every uh, the same advert blast to everybody. I kind of almost just wanted to chip in there a bit, Hung, as well, because our lovely friends over at Broadbean are like, what, 20, 25 years now, Josh? I think might be 25 years old as a company. So actually, from a generational perspective, gave the foundation for multi-posting across a number of different channels, but also as well expanded those channels out of the job boards like 10, 15 years ago. So social became a thing before it even became a thing. So, you know, the the kind of... Um, companies that rely on multi-posting, I think, do it from a perspective of knowledge in that they know and understand that their audiences are not just on job boards. And so they want to get the messages out there. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to kind of do a big sort of hello and thumbs up to um, the ladies and gents over at Broadbean because they're still doing a phenomenal job. Lots of different channels, lots of different let, let, Let's put it this way, Claire. Quite right. Uh, Broadbean have basically established a category, didn't they? When they first arrived, there was no such <clears> thing <throat> as this, or at least I wasn't aware of it. Uh, and they've transformed how um, uh, people, uh, recruiters post jobs. I mean, let me know, folks. I mean, how many people use some sort of multi-posting service, whether it is directly bought Broadbean or whether it's behind the scenes via an ATS, you know, you post one, you post one job and it goes to multiple job boards. Do you do that or do you manually post? Let me know in the comments, folks. I reckon most people will say, yeah, sure. You know, we do it. It's obvious it's become how, how we do it. So yeah, Broadbean, fantastic um, in efficiency, but I think that makes it difficult for you to customize to audience, right? Because yeah. you, you are blasting it out. So, um, so, so to the question, does it do you know of any company that does think about this and think you know what we need to age diversify our workforce let's say and you know we're low on on people who are 55 plus we need to advertise in a different way to those people i mean does any anybody do this i reckon this must be in with you dave there must be a couple of companies that you've been working with over the last couple of years <laughs> oh, yeah i've got almighty i think I've, actually i'm i'm a yeah, I'm 50 in November, so I probably go up another level, don't I? I'm probably like, you know, when you go down the survey boxes, my demographic shifted, so I'm probably going to get black and white chalk and chalk and slate advertising thrown at me or something like that coming my way. But, it's a uh, traumatic moment when you have to do that, mate. Well, I, I remember when I hit the 35 bracket, uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I've peaked. Not only have I peaked, but it's like such a big bucket. Is it 35 to 55 or something? Right. It's like, holy shit. Right. Like, after this one, it's, it's all over, you know? So wow. it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. That's all you get what you're saying. Yeah. But, but that's it. That interest, that, that, that actually, now think about that. If you think about it, it's if you just back up to the beginning, Broadbean is a convenient way to get a message out. Right. So that that's what so what it does. So if you imagine the business problem several years ago, I can't believe it's 25 years old. Jesus Christ, that makes me feel a little bit older. Um, but if you back up the business problem then was, regardless of the sophistication of the message, which is the start point of what's the message before we even put it out anywhere. Basically, broad broadly's there, it's like right, we've got we we can access places where your audience is and you can touch it once so to speak and it's distributed to the, to the many so that's like saying right here's an advert put it in all the in the in the 70s you can put it in all magazines and all press that's relevant to you and touch it once 
So actually, it's the bit, the business challenge of being able to have multi-distribution in an easy way to an audience. That's the problem it solves. So, you know, that was a problem that's being solved. So, it, so the efficiency of getting it out there, whether it's spray and pray or the right message or whatever, but the ability to get a message into multiple channels really quickly, it solves a problem kind of thing, because that's a problem really. Now, if we just back up, God, I feel like going back to the tweet when I used to talk about these things in 2014, 2015, like, you know, there's, there's a couple of steps before we get to how do we get to them? So the first thing is, what have we got to say? You know, what have we got to say to them? And we, so that means understand who you are and the characteristics and the reputation and all that stuff that you want to talk about for yourself that that's going to be help you stand out, maybe cut through some noise, but be of interest to the audience. And there will be some things that you want to say that aren't interesting to them, so you don't say that to them. And there'll be some things that you say that are interesting to them, so you say that to them. Now, different demographics, different age groups, you know, considering the whole inclusivity, you know, all kinds of different things are how we understand these personas. And there's a, that's a whole other subject matter personas, I'd imagine. But the sort of key elements you understand there. Then you need to decide what is it you want to say to them, where you're going to say it. You know, so, so like, I now know who I am as a person. This is what I'm wearing. These are the things I like to say. What pubs am I going to walk into to the audience of where my audience is? And I think that has changed. You know, that has definitely changed. If you go back to the old days of advertising, a guy called David Ogilvy, who I'm sure loads of people have heard of, and his books are fantastic. One of his favorite favorite phrases was, um, "Your your your consumer is what is it? Your consumer isn't a moron. She is my wife." And basically, it's saying you need to love your consumer as much as you love your wife, and understand them, and understand your consumers as much as your wife. And David Ogilvy is an absolute well, Ogilvy advertising one of the biggest advertising companies on the planet but he he just talks about the quality of the copy all the time being tuned into the audience so forget where it goes and what it looks like and some of the greatest creative directors on the planet are brilliant conceptual copywriters you know and they take the insights of an audience and they really understand it and then they will have a way of just coming up with these in fact there's something i saw yesterday and it's from Ogilvy advertising and it was a nationwide's on your side or on your side nationwide and that was written like 30 years ago and they still use that line today kind of thing so crafting the message is really important that comes from understanding the audience and then things like what's the format does that need to be in where's the channels does that need to be in broadly and get to multiple channels now if you just take say i don't know early careers you know the amount of effort that goes into early careers in our world like in the world of talent and recruitment, like companies put a lot of effort into that, you know, and it's, what have they got to say? How does it show up? What content formats is it in? What channels is it distributed into? And, and then when you talk about channels, you know, you think about owned media, so your own digital channels, you know, Instagram, everyone's TikTok crazy, high, high production versus lo-fi production. You know, I was reading something yesterday, which is like, there's a belief that in sort of the, the Gen Zers, the TikTok's becoming a more important search engine for them when it comes to certain information and media types. You know, and Google's like, well, hold on a second, you know, what, what's what's going on here? You know, 
So it's, it's interesting. I, I read that as well, by the way. That's, yeah. That was an interesting business insider. And I think it's true. I mean, when's the last time you search Google for anything? Um, it doesn't work as a search engine. You know, you only do it to cross-reference stuff that you're already, mm. you already know about. Uh, when's the last time you actually discovered anything via a Google search? Yeah. Recruiters are obviously right, a bit yeah. weird because we use, yeah, we don't do it. As a consumer, yeah. you don't do it. Um, so, yeah. Well, well, and also one of the, that's quite interesting that. I mean, I don't want to go too off topic, but Google's mission in life has always been to give you what you're looking for very quickly and easily. You know, and that, and that it's algorithms built around that. Now, you try doing that now. And you're just full, like, you're getting targeted. The landscape of the ads were on the first page is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So we, we don't like advertising. We, Mate, we it's, screen it's, it out. Uh, let, let's, let's just be, uh, we are totally off topic now, Dave. So thanks for that. Um, but we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, I just want to rant a little bit on this. Because if you go to any Google search, like half the first page yeah. is ads. Straight yeah. away, you have to ignore that. And they're kind of cheeky. Basically, they're trying to trick you to click. And I think people get pissed at that because, you know, we don't want to see um, a paid uh, results there. And then you check the relevancy of the, the second half of the page and see what's interesting there. You've got to dig through or you've got to be really good at Boolean. You've got to really narrow it and do mm. all these like search site.com and all this. And you know what? Most consumers are not going to do that. So recruiters are uh, only weird people that have developed searching skills in order to make Google useful still. But most yeah. people, as you say, thank you for that, uh, Nicola. Um, the uh, the Gen Z, the Gen Zers, yeah, absolutely. Uh, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, yeah. video-based yeah. stuff. You, you type something in, it'll show you some dude or some person yeah. showing you a thing you wanted to look at, and then boom, you got it. So yeah. I totally understand why that's going that way. Claire, go ahead. Go on, Claire. Sorry, Claire. Go Don't for it. There was um, a post just on just before we came on live. Um, Carly Fordham over at Arctic Shores, she's just posted something around the fact that it's um, I know, Youth Skills Day. And apparently, according to their research, 87% of younger generation coming in don't see that employers see their potential. Now, is that because the employers are putting out ads like they've been doing for the last 20 years or you know, startup scale-ups have basically been just drop fallen into the well of this is how you write a job ad and mm -hmm. this is how you recruit because i again i'm kind of like there's so many questions in my i mean i've been doing this for a long time marketing advertising persona mapping all that sort of stuff but there's still so many more questions around the fact that actually i think to your point earlier on Han, and to yours dave about knowing who the audience is put yourself in their shoes they don't talk or listen or i don't even read the stuff that we put out there because we've been doing this this is our world but we're putting stuff out there to people that actually have no clue about recruitment to, to your uh, what i would say as well is a struggle kind of i guess playing devil's advocate on some of these bits as well like a good example when i saw there was some chat around early careers and early mm -hmm. careers um at ibm we had to change that to call it entry level because we don't want to have like we should be when we're advertising these positions they should be available to a graduate but if your granddad wants to start a new career tomorrow, it should be available there as well. And I think what we have, which isn't an easy one to answer, is basically two problems. And one is not many businesses have an army of copywriters. So we expect our recruiters to know how to recruit for positions, but also be expert marketers and manage hiring manager expectations and wear a lot of different hats. But that generation that you're speaking about, Claire, expects everything to be tailored to them. So there's a disconnect between the two because the only way 
if you, if you want to be kind of boring and look at it from more of a legal standpoint, you almost have to, by making something available to everybody, you lose some of that personalized element of it. But then we are further from the expectations of what a Generation Z millennial as well is looking for because they want an advert that speaks directly to them. So it's a difficult one to weigh up, I think. But it is and it's not, because then if you think about marketing techniques over the world, like mm. the world over this last even five years, personalization and customization of content mm. in terms of the channel or the the format has been around and being used across marketing for generations. So why is it that it's not actually applied in recruitment marketing? Mm. Why have we not taken that step? And that's a really good. I, mean, I think that's a really interesting point because um, because we haven't. I mean, they, they literally haven't. I mean, like you know, we we um, when you look at the sophistication and techniques that are used to amplify a message and personalize, and then follow that person round, and not just keep showing the same thing. You know, you know we talk a lot about going from storytelling to story building, and 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 you know, and it's not just broadcasting especially with this generation it's more you know advertising talks at you content marketing involves you and i think you know it's that, a relationship development yeah isn't it? exactly you know an attribution is somebody just doesn't go click buy they go click leave click leave click leave backwards and forwards yeah. it's all attribution across multi-channels you know and and to be quite frank in the world of recruitment marketing they're nowhere near that we're still miles away from being like that and that and that's why it's like we get a message and we just push it out and the job i mean job descriptions is actually at the point it's further down the funnel yeah you know. the job description for me is the the sticky bit in the middle right so it's mm. actually once someone's got excited by what you're initially offering come back and done that two or three times yeah. got a bit more of a picture of, of what it is that's on offer for them and whether or not they've got an affinity with that offer and then the job spec is actually you know what I could see myself being here, but actually, what does that entail? So that's the sort of nitty gritty detail. You know, that's a second, third date kind of stuff. The first part, the hook, the the attraction piece, all of those elements that you do the story, kind of you put the markers out there. That's a campaign. That's an advertising campaign. Mm -hmm. You don't expect someone to come and buy a car just because they've seen one picture of it on a billboard as they've driven past. So why would you want or expect someone to come in and give you years of their life or hours of their day. Yeah, I, I think on, like we've had examples of that and I agree with you, Dave, like, and, and Claire, uh, recruitment marketing is always behind marketing in that sense. Like I've had conversations with like the sales part of the business who get marketing, right? And they understand that classic thing that we always hear, which is, you may have 10 points of contact with a prospect before they choose to buy. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we're not afforded that same level of, well, just the, the, the same amount of time. Like it's a much easier sell to go and say to a hiring manager whose needs are always urgent, we're going to act, we're going to sponsor some jobs and some job boards and we're going to put it on LinkedIn and we're going to do this and we're going to get candidates immediately. Really, we need the 120 days 160 days before that requirement is even there that we can start building a relationship with those um, candidates before we're even asking them to apply to the job. Um, so again, it comes back to one of those other, that's the marketing element of it. The other side of it, which 
so many business struggle with in recruitment, which has uh, been spoke about on many podcasts and talked about in many conferences over the years is the forecasting element um, as well. Like, how do we have that down the road, three, six months down the road line? Um, how do we have that vision connected between the two different departments so that we can, like you say, be speaking to these candidates and getting them warm before we even need them? That's mm -hmm. the problem we face. All right, listen, let me just jump right in here because I need to correct sort of the way I've been driving this. Um, I, you know, you guys are absolutely right. There's a difference between the uh, recruitment marketing aspect and recruitment advertising aspect. Um, and recruitment marketing is basically a much wider, it's a much wider, bigger story arc, essentially, that you're giving to that audience. Whereas the job distribution is at the very, very narrow end, where by that time, you should have already have built some sort of resonance with that audience if you've done it successfully. And the whatever you're putting into that copy of that uh, advert, um, you would already be informed by all of that experience you've had by interacting with them at that recruitment marketing level. So let's reorientate this conversation back to generational cohorts. Um, I started this at the beginning with a bit of a, a provocation uh, to say it's, it's basically a stereotype. Um, stereotypes are okay. That's my provocation, okay? Um, because we need to, you know, operate... Um, with some sort of like uh, a big generalization. Otherwise, we won't be able to be efficient. Um, if those two things are true, then how do we uh, uh, how do we do recruitment marketing to those different cohorts that we're talking about? Be they uh, sort of early entry? In this case, Josh, I am going to say the younger generation first job, yeah. um, which I totally accept. It's a different problem that we want to have accessibility for everybody who should be entry, entry level. But let's talk at this point about Gen Z, like young people coming in first time, <laughs> then Gen X, then Boomer, and then Millennial or whatever it is. Like, how, how are they different and how do we speak to them? Uh, are you guys prepared to give me some broad brush <laughs> sort of uh, uh, things here that we can work on, with? On one thing I would say on the, the job distribution side, because I think this is really, really simple to cover, but I think for a lot of businesses that can be inverted. And what I mean by that is, um, they don't fix the foundations, which we've already kind of loosely spoke about, but their idea of moving or, or advertising is, I put a job on prospects. Oh, okay, well, that's going to hit the graduate market box ticked over there. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a very similar thing we see with diversity. I will put it on this diversity job board mm -hmm. and now all my problems um, are fixed. I think from purely job distribution and job ad perspective, um, that's the kind of method that I see in, in the job distribution side. Yep, great point, Josh. I mean, we do know there's niche places, right, where there's certain demographics that, in fact, these products are typically designed uh, so that, uh, you know, it's there to attract people very explicitly sometimes. This is really useful because from a recruiter point of view, it means that, okay, great, I just need to be present in this space and that's going to help. Uh, so that's a, a credit to them. That's at least a step one. But I get the sense, Josh, you're saying that's probably not sufficient, right? There's, there's, there's other things that you've got to be doing. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. And I think like talking um, when we talk about cross generational and, and I guess more into like how do we market to them, I think like you're always going to have like your four different pillars, if you want to call it like it's sensible to look at maybe something along the lines of career website. It's sensible to look at LinkedIn, Glassdoor, maybe an Indeed like that's kind of like spread bet and it's just getting your foundations um, in place. I think one thing that we've already touched upon loosely, but we're talking about marketing. And I think I think it probably is important to understand as well, like 
over the next five to 10 years, if we talk about like what really is a strategy, the majority of the workforce is going to be moving towards Generation Z and millennials. Like that is just coming. There are more people that are staying in work than ever before at the kind of boomer level. Um, but it is going to be kind of targeted towards those areas. So there are certain things that we know that are consistent about the millennials and Generation Z. So I guess one area which is a good place to start is just video um, in general. Like that's how a lot of people tend to consume the media. And we've seen, so to give one example, um, every now and then, like it looks like our careers website breaks. <laughs> and when we're looking at that, um, bear in mind, sometimes this information could be in India where we get a lot of um, traffic, I would say, to job adverts in a disproportionate amount. Mm -hmm. But we started seeing huge referrals coming from YouTube is a great example of an area where we've seen that. And that tends to be on kind of our generation, like a more campus um, type recruiting. So actually looking at targeting platforms like that, the classic thing of saying where your candidates live, and we've already kind of talked about that, is one area when you're looking at particularly the younger generations seems to have um, or bear a lot of fruit for us. Well, I think that that is like a stereotype. Tom, I totally get what you're saying. I guess I'm trying to rehabilitate the term because I think we just, you know, I, I don't like that. I'm dissatisfied with the idea we can just change something by re renaming it um, <laughs> because we are making big generalizations, right? So making those big generalizations on this cohort, we do know that the younger generation increasingly are using more video than the older generation. That's definitely true. Uh, you can see by the adoption rates of things like TikTok, Claire, I'm going to get come back. No, to no, I'm, I'm with you, but it's it's not so much like the video channels that we're used to hearing about, like YouTube, because mm. you know YouTube is very different to TikTok, and it's got a very different kind of yeah, the whole the whole emphasis of it all is is very different. And I think and it, massive, just so on much. this note, Claire, just quickly, but it could well be that it, it starts in that certain demographic, but it spreads everywhere. And I think you're right. YouTube now is very widely used by almost everybody. Um, but it started young and it spread everywhere because it, it was obviously entertaining and obviously useful. I think TikTok and Instagram and stuff like that is likely to have the opportunity to get there as well. Um, uh, but you know, we simply have a, a, a kind of a, a, a laggard situation, I think, uh, that might map against uh, certain generational cohorts, let's say. Um, I think it's more of a, a case of usability. So we just done a big study on like um, all the social channels that are in the hands of everybody. So if you think about the total addressable talent market as opposed to just the sort of active talent that we've seen and we've got all of the data from the job boards over the years, but actually in order to put your employer brand, your message of what it's like to be within your organization to help your organization grow, there's no better way than being in the hands of that potential person, whatever generation they're at. And actually, the majority of users, of mobile internet users, are on at least four different social channels. Mm. So, you know, it kind of, it, it goes without saying, you look at where your audiences are, but if you're not able to produce content for those channels, then you're kind of almost like hitting yourself into a wall before you started. Mm. So it's about that education piece back into your organization and investment in, I think someone said it in the chat, like, what are the technologies? What are the sources that you can leverage to get that sort of over the hedge moment and be in the right place at the right time? I mean, I'm I'm old enough to understand, you know, the Martini message. That's what I was studying when I was like coming up through university. And I studied relationship marketing before social media was even a thing. 
but it's the same essence. You know and understand enough about the markers of someone to in order in order to kind of really spark up that behavior. And that's what you want to do. That's all this yeah. is. So when you talk about the stereotypes, I agree with you completely. Um, stereotypes is a great word. It's not a bad word. It's not a negative connotation. It's a really great way of us understanding the audiences that we're trying to talk to. And as marketeers, I think it should be used more. I think anybody in this space needs to understand the benefits of understanding your stereotype. Because if you understand, you can condition your language, you can condition the content type, you can condition which channel you're using, the frequency, the cadence, the even the calls to action. All of those elements can be driven by the type of people you're looking for. And then the only other thing that I would say on that as well is we talk about personas being a lot based on like the experience that we want or the skills that we want. But what about the mindset? And this kind of goes back to Carly's mention that I said earlier on. You know, different generations, certainly generations younger than me, are really struggling with finding those organisations that can see the potential that they can bring. And it's about that smart spark of um, imagination or it's a, the, the content that they're really excited and get engaged behind. How can we bring that out more? That's another conversation, I suppose, as well. But for me, it's like, can we change or can we add mindset into that persona map or... Mm into the stereotype that we're looking for yeah I mean, let, let's sorry let's nail this down to a very specific issue and i'm going to go to two different generational cohorts where employers might have an interest in increasing their population so let's firstly firstly early entry and then actually uh you know older generation um uh, so you know if i'm a company and i say right i need to age diversify my 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 uh company i want a multi-generational workforce you know what everything i've got is like middle middle career 30s and tw late 20s early 30s i need younger people i need older people okay the younger cohort what do i need to do in terms of messaging content placement etc to address that audience where do you want to start? <laughs> maybe, maybe what? Because I, I like sometimes as well. I kind of talked a bit earlier about like building the the, found, the foundations, and there are certain things that they agree upon. It's not like they're too alien um, that that, that you can't find any middle middle ground. Like there are certain things that always score very highly if you looked at any LinkedIn report, Glassdoor report, Indeed report. Um, generally, like you're not going to ever offend anyone by having um, a clear stance on wage transparency, for example. Um, looking at things like flexible working, actually, it's something that um, people in early careers tend to look for, but also people coming towards the end of their career don't necessarily want to be pulling 70-hour weeks at the same time. So um, you can find common ground in some of these areas, benefits as well being others. So I think sometimes as well, focusing on the areas where you can hit both is, is really good, and then it's probably the delivery of the message um, All right. First, first interrupt. Sorry, Josh, I'm interested you here because you made a really good point. I just want to underline it. Number one, look for the universals, right? Look for the universal things that you think actually this is applicable to everyone because this is simply a good thing for employees to do to pe for people. Um, and any generation might be interested in that because they're all people. So number one, look for the universals if you want to age diversify your business. Go ahead, Josh, go ahead. 
second uh, point I stop you there? Um, yeah, so I think what, what I was kind of saying, um, so I think there's that, and then I've seen loads of great comments actually coming out in the chat, and then I think this, this relates to what Claire is. Once you have like some of those consistent messages, then it's about the delivery of those messages is often, I think, um, as important as uh, in going through. So for, for example, um, we already mentioned like something like a, a TikTok might be something that's a better way of getting that message out. Equally, there's been great success for businesses using things like SMS, simply because it's just a different way of communicating. Now, if we get an SMS, we're probably expecting a delivery half the time, let's be honest, or a message from my bank. Like it's, but it, it, it grabs our attention much more in some ways than maybe a WhatsApp does. So it's just sometimes as well, the way getting that message and then the delivery of it can make a really, really big difference depending on which market you're going for. Yeah, and there might be some generational differences. I just you know, recall sometimes people like receiving letters. If you've received a letter before and then you had a big period where no letters have ever arrived, um, getting a letter these days might be a bit of a thrill, you know, like a handwritten letter or something. Maybe that works to my cohort, right? The, the generation that basically experienced letter writing at one point, saw it a die and then no letters were ever sent, then to get a letter actually might be quite cool. Probably wouldn't work to someone who's never received a letter, I would imagine they wouldn't understand or have any kind of nostalgia about that so maybe the, the the channel itself the mechanism of delivery can also map to a generational stereotype um okay any more ideas in terms of how we address how do we kind of age diversify our uh, recruitment marketing approach one of these ways and i think dave and i have done this a couple of times and talked about it for many different methodologies but creating matrix frameworks over all of the, the kind of important points. I think you mentioned the four box earlier on, Josh, but that in itself as a tool with your team sitting down and saying, right, this is a problem that we're trying to solve. This is a way that we can kind of get to the shortcuts. So you literally carve up a piece of paper and say, okay, who are we actually really wanting here to pay attention? What do they really need to hear in order to be giving us their attention? And then what will help us to convert them into our kind of journey or bring them along into this journey? So there you've got your messaging, you've got your market, you know, you've got your cohort, and then you've also got your channel type. And I think the best way of doing this is, and Josh, I think mentioned it earlier on as well, companies like IBM have got so many different facets all working simultaneously. That kind of positive friction within a department is phenomenal juice for the content strategy because what you've got there is you've got work in progress and actually that's the sort of stuff that you really want to be putting out there in terms of this is what it's really like to work here um and so being able to and again just dive into knowing who the organization is and where it's going bringing those stories along that dave and the team at ph are really brilliant at doing and then getting it up and amplified out on the right channels there's so many different ways that you can do that. But I think you've got to dig deep. All right. So maybe that's that's a point I've I've, I've missed up, up until now because I'm slow on the uptake. Um, but I think Dave and Claire are basically trying to trying to hint at this or at least imply it very heavily. But it starts from within, right? So the, there has to be some core to your business, like mm. the I guess the Simon Sinek why mm. to your business. Okay, great. Uh, let's extract that, and then from there, that's when all of it will emerge in terms of your uh, 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 your message, your medium, your delivery technique. Uh, but that central thing needs to be very clear in your own mind. In terms 
internally before you can even broadcast that out. Yeah. That's um, purpose, right? So if, if you've got a purpose, you've got then something that is multidimensional. So it will work for all different generations. You've just got to find the right side that will go into that cohort. That's all it is. Yeah, and, it may, and, it, and it may and it may be those those sort of what your what your business is it may well be a, a message that will resonate uh equally to different generational uh groups or it may be narrow we don't know but you know at least you know sort of where it hits most um folks i just want to do a quick break here simply because we always do this in every brain food live it's, it's turned into a, a bit of a, a uh, ritual for us, but I think it's really important uh, because Brain Food Live is a conversation starter. It's a space where people have a conversation. It should never be a place where we we, we turn into a bottleneck and stop the conversation from continuing. Um, so uh, for the folks who are interested in this topic, we're talking about recruitment marketing across different generations. If you're here, then you're interested in it. Take a moment to connect with everyone else who's watching this show. The way to do this is simply to take your LinkedIn profile URL, stick it into the chat stream, stick it into the comment thread, wherever you're watching it. There's going to be hundreds of people watching it no matter where you're at. Go ahead and put it in there and then make sure you connect with every linked, uh, LinkedIn profile you see. Um, because you can be sure all of those people care about this conversation. Why not have this conversation after we come off air? Because unfortunately, we do have to come off air. Um, but please make sure uh, the folks that you connect with, you can carry on this conversation and, and dive deeper. Because I think I already suspect we need to <laughs> we, we need more time uh, to dive deeper into this. Um, okay, great. Get on with that, folks. Dave, let's go to you on this. Any like quick thoughts you yeah. can throw at us uh, on this? I just I just thought I'd try and give a couple of tangible sort of examples like of the two areas that you spoke about i'm like so just let me let me just chuck this out so if you take the early careers for example i'll just think about a couple of things that we may have done in the past or that goes to my head so we went with bt and they want grads for cyber security right so we figure out what bt want to say so that's the that's the strategic sort of message, which ends up being we are the protectors because they protect the nation, they protect the NHS, but nobody knows it, it's secret. We know early careers, we kind of understand their behavior. We've got to, we've got to make this look exciting and feel like they could be part of this community. We know that grads want to learn and actually grads in the tech world go and learn in Reddit. So that's a pub they hang out in. Okay, but BT's, got a real weak perception at the moment in the world of cybersecurity in terms of the grab market. So we create an unbranded campaign, which goes into Reddit, which is a challenge and a conundrum that they have to crack, which, which is interesting to cyber folks. And the reveal is BT. The BT then takes them to a digital escape room where they experience the brand and get to know about being working in cybersecurity. So there is an example of very quick, what's the message, change perception, go into a, go into a space where they, where they go learning in passive mode, not looking for a job, they're in a passive state of mind at this point. And they go into Reddit, and that's just part of it, a whole integrated campaign. But there's some key elements. Then the next thing is... Hang on, before you continue, Dave, yeah. if there's any kind of case study link that you have that we can review or look at, please share yeah. that in the chat stream. Um, I think that's a really good idea, folks. So in this example, what Dave's talking about is a brand that is discredited. Thank you, Afonso. Quite right. Um, we can see that, yes, yeah, the BT is a type of business that attracts uh, an, an opinion. 
Um, and it may be that a particularly skeptical opinion from exactly the cohort they want to recruit from. Um, and the way to do that is to just go into a, the, the medium first, the lead with the medium rather than the message, sit there and then create some sort of experience that would encourage them to have a reveal type experience. Um, so you, you kind of... Uh, uh, I guess you push the, back, the brand back a little bit and create mm. the experience first and then say, oh, actually, this brand created this experience. Yeah. That would be one technique. Uh, go ahead, uh, Dave. Second one. Yeah, and, then, and just, just to sort of round that off, I mean, B BT, BT were quite brave in, in what they wanted to do with the execution of that. And it wasn't just the front end. And this is where, in the world of talent, we have, this is, this is where we have more opportunity. So the experience then moved into... And this is this is a this is a marketing sort of delivery to drive uh, advocacy, which is all part of the market. Advocacy and ambassadors is a channel to market, right? So they get the offer letter, but the offer letter is an experience. So half the letter is secret writing. You get a UV light and you find a secret place online. The onboarding experience. If you go to YouTube, opening new kit, opening a new phone opening the box is a massive thing. So we create open, we make opening your box when you're onboarding an excitement moment. That's shareable content then, if you think about that. And so you can see there how how the wheel of protectors is a lived experience, but it's a marketing campaign to that audience. If you take an old take the older generation, if you like, or experienced generation. I'm just trying to think about a few interesting things. So what one thing is uh, and you touched on this and Gary Vaynerchuk was mentioned um, before um, by Adam before he's gone off to do oh, well, he's, he's actually back so let's bring him back to, to give us an update on his adventures go ahead go yeah. ahead uh, um, you... but he, he talks about basically marketeers ruin everything and we do and that's why letters are cool again because you know email I mean who really takes much notice if you're a software engineer of LinkedIn messages, like, you know, they get absolutely bombarded to the point where they're no longer on LinkedIn. You know, they put ad blockers on their browsers and stuff like this. So marketeers ruin everything. If we go with that thing, the thing they ruined that we stopped going into, that might be cool again. So creative outreach is cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And a bit yeah, more no. energy, basically a little yeah, bit yeah, more yeah. effort and energy. Yeah. If that's what you want to yeah. do. And, yeah. and by the way, that we know diversity means more effort. Um, uh, you know, if you're trying to diversify your workforce, you can't, it's not going to be more efficient uh, than, than just not doing it, right? So it, it's going to take effort and energy. You need to win the argument internally to increase your capacity, increase your bandwidth to go ahead and do it, and then go ahead and do uh, uh, an interesting stunt. Okay, uh, let's uh, round of applause for Adam Gordon. Hey, um, you know, being, a, being able to multitask away. Did you actually solve the problem? Did your wife shout at you? Uh, what was the situation, man? Give us a quick update. First of all, I put my cape away before I came back on, of course. Now, she just, she burst the tire in her car, stuck down a country lane about 15 miles away. Um, and so I had to just go and collect the kids. I said she was waiting for the church, the guy from Churchill to turn up and change the tire. I was like, I can change the tire. She said, you're in touch with my, my car. Anyway. <laughs> The, the, the discredit there, or oh, the, the the emotional damage, man. Holy crap! Uh, your wife is not prepared for you to re to change a tire, man. It's a, either a very good car, or you're a very bad person at changing tires. 
More importantly, um, I'm sorry, I'm conscious that I haven't heard anything that anybody said except for what Google Dave just said, which I agreed with all of it. Can I just give the, the, the one thing I wanted to say about this, this subject? And I was probably going to save it for the end. So the fact that I've not been here doesn't make any difference <laughs> to the flow of this conversation anyway. But one thing I wanted to say is there's... If you if you if you've got the right type of if you've got the right type of communications and the right type of technology, then you you don't need to be thinking about personas and you don't need to be thinking about creating communications for people based on their demographic clusters, because you can personalize today to the power of one with a programmatic type of approach, which means that somebody who's eighteen and black and female and somebody who's 64 and white and male are getting exactly the type of nurture communications from you, the same type of nurture communications for you because of their behavior and what they've been doing and what they've been, uh, you know, how they've been interacting with you and your business, because actually they've got a lot in common. Whereas that black 18 year old female may have nothing in common with the other black 18 year old female. So every single human is different. Personas are really important. Demographic personas are really important when you start to think about this. But then once you start to be able to work out actually what each individual is doing and you are using the right type of tracking and programmatic uh, you know, technologies, you can serve everybody a, a communication experience, which is, as I say, to the power of one. That I think is a, is a, a really fantastic uh, um, monologue, Adam. And I I don't think anybody's not going to disagree with you there. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could be so accurate um, to have a conversation of be treating everyone in a personalized way? I think all of us would like that. We we tend to think good candidate experience or good consumer experience is exactly that level of concierge. Um, the problem is I, always people say, oh, it's not scalable. People try to scale it with technology, but then we have all of these privacy issues where companies are saying, oh, you can't track this, you can't track that. You mentioned already at the start of the show before you had to uh, 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 you know, uh, go, go, go and repair a car uh, that basically uh, you know, Firefox have rolled out a default anti-tracker, right? So you, they're yeah. literally stripping out the UTM. So you, you can't the, track the two, even an open. No, the, the two comments I was going to make about that are, first of all, not very many people use Firefox anyway, but second of all, um, it's uh, it, it, there's all sorts of other ways of tracking people on websites that are nothing to do with Firefox and nothing to do with Firefox no, stripping yeah, your but, unique you know, UTMs. It, you use tracking one, it, scripts and all sorts of other things. It's one example, though. And let's say uh, Firefox start getting market share in some way as a result of this. Then you can imagine Chrome starting to think, you know what, I'm going to give that as an option. And Chrome suddenly... will never do that. Chrome will never, ever do that. Chrome is Chrome's ex entire experience is built on tracking. So let's there's no way Claire that's happening. Here. Claire wants to come in. Go ahead. I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to, again, throw in a question. We didn't used to do this stuff. We used to just figure out where the people were that we wanted to talk to and get a conversation with them. We've done exactly that, but digitally. We've done it two or three iterations because of technical advancements. We are able to have a load of magic dust happening in some ether, there's my technical explanation of it, to basically create lookalike audiences and amplify on user behavior, not necessarily on demographic behaviors or markers or any of that but on user behavior, mm. that's already there. We're already using it. Back to my question at the beginning, 
personalized campaigns need to be what organizations are really investing in and thinking about because yeah people don't want to just be anonymous anymore or be broad blank blank blanket spoken to yeah i, I was just i was just gonna add one thing because i was thinking about this as well with, with a lot of what we're talking about um i mentioned earlier about like advertising and sometimes we invert the funnel and we focus on putting it on the right place and not the the message at the beginning and one thing I would say from working in-house is I'd be really confident I could sell a hiring manager on doing a TikTok advert tomorrow because it's exciting and it's new um, and they know that their kids use it and all this kind of stuff. But you kind of, I think what we're getting to with a lot of this as well is we have to, like, I keep going back to the foundations and sometimes I look at it because I'm looking at everything across 13,000 live jobs, right? But I think we've, we've talked about the kind of why we have to get the beginning start point right um, even to what you said, Adam, as well, like what are the things that we know are the same? What are the, the kind of unifying goals that we can start with? Then we can go in and kind of start to segment out and try and do something that's a little bit more interesting on a kind of more bespoke, I say, tailored package. But I think I would encourage people not to get too distracted by like just the, the kind of the top of the funnel and just trying the new platforms and always take a view and say, okay, are we hitting the right messages as our core part of our employer branding as a start point. Yeah, I think. Yeah, very good. There's something, just one thing, Hung, is. Um, Go ahead. I haven't talked about it too much, but the powers in the community, like the smart plays are build your own communities. That's where the smart plays are. I mean, Hung, you've done that incredibly. I mean, look at this. You know, in fact, you are like a poster boy of how to build a community. You saw a pain point in a space where there's so much content and noise. And you just made it very easy for the entire community to read the best things once a week with a bacon sandwich, you know, and that is a very smart, simple solution to one big pain in the arse for everybody. And, and so if you can figure out your audience's real pain points and come up with a smart way of encouraging a community, not a network, you know, a, you know, a community, you'll make friends before you need them, you know, and Adam, has been incredibly successful in help create technology that enables this and then uses the behavior of that to really personalize that. And I think that's where the smart money's got to go. You know, that's where the smart money's got to go. Advertising is going one way, more expensive, and advertising is not content and community. You know, you're muted. There you go. You're back. Sorry, there's a there's a button here that's <laughs> I'm muted myself. In the... Pokemon, I, think. I, 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 I muted myself and it wouldn't unmute. It was like, I think they're telling me something that the, the hardware itself is telling me something like hung, shut the fuck up. Um, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do that. Um, but Dave, thank you for ending on that. I think that's a really good ending point for the show because maybe that's the next topic to follow up on this one, which is how do you actually create a community in some way where it can kind of take care of a lot of the problems we're wrestling with on the advertising side, because once you have a community that's prepared to pay attention to you, guess what? A lot of these problems go away because you don't really have those engagement issues anymore because they already are prepared to accept, oh, this stuff is, you know, I'm voluntarily in this community. I want to be here in order to get this information. They, they, the people aren't defensive once they're in. So maybe we'll do that as the next uh, next topic of conversation. But anyway, everybody, I think that's about it. Um, thank you so much for your time, everybody. Oh. 
great uh, conversation to be had. Lots to think about uh, and lots of learning uh, here also. Um, let's say goodbye to our guests. So, uh, Claire, thank you so much. Great to see you. I know you have to rush back from holiday and all the rest. And it, uh, it's, it's so sorry about your throat also. Um, I need to send you an email, by the way, on, on 2023. I'm going to send you that after this. No need to action it, but chew over the weekend. Uh, have a very good weekend, uh, uh, Claire. Um Dave, great to see you as usual, mate. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we'll hopefully get you back at some point before the end of the year. Um, and Josh Willows, great to see you, man. Uh, we haven't even talked about the guitars in the, on the back there and what kind of music you like to play. Um, but uh, wonderful to see you on the show. I think your debut will certainly get you back, Josh. Doesn't Josh look like a rock star as well? You know what? I didn't he's mention got his, it. Long, his long hair now. I haven't seen him like that before. I haven't seen the long hair either, and I didn't mention it, but I wanted to because he's got all of the. He's got this wet, wet look perm going on. And I'm thinking, dude, this guy's a rock star. Like, and he's blonde as well. Name? He would fit in seriously <laughs> well down on the beach in Cornwall here. That's right. He's, I think some of some of the personalities in our business definitely have a second life, a second career somewhere else. Um, and I, Josh has shown us something here. <laughs> Maybe there's something Guitar going on. Guitar under one uh, arm, surfboard under the other. That's it. Uh, listen, Adam, uh, thanks a lot, man. I mean, jumping in and out, uh, I really appreciate the effort. It's like, you know, mega. So uh, uh, thank you so much for doing all that. And good to see everyone's back and happy and, and all the rest of it. So uh, all good on that front. Um, all right, that's about it. We'll see you all uh, next week. We're on Thursday, by the way, folks. Not Friday next week. Uh, it's a massive shift. The reason why, because we're talking four-day week. Can recruiters do a four-day week? And actually, uh, we had to shift it from Friday to to Thursday because some of our guests actually don't work to Friday. Because we're all <laughs> off on Friday. Yeah. Um, I, I spoke to Stephen Brand at, uh, and, and Nikki and, and, and Natalie Glick. They're coming they, and they're both from Mambu. And they say, Yeah, oh, we'd love to do it, but actually, you can't do it on Friday. So, we're moving it to Thursday to talk about can recruiters do four day week, folks? We're going to be here same time, two o'clock BST, but Thursday next week. Can recruiters do four day week? Make sure you sign up for that. If you enjoy the show, uh, uh follow the channel, uh, and we'll see you all next week. <sighs> Great, that was fine, wasn't it? That was okay. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, no worries. I'm good, I, I, I am. Up, I am going to go back and you know watch it because um, I I I love all the guests and um you know can't wait to hear yeah. what I met what I actually missed. But your your contribution to the end I thought was really profound. Um, it was really really good. Um, so uh, so yeah, I think you were you, you would have added a lot to that conversation. We might want to get this group back together actually and, and have a, a round two on this. Maybe on community or maybe on something else. But I thought that was really uh, well. Yeah, it would have been good good dialogue between the between the three four of you. But yeah, I know. Certainly, everyone every one of those three guests we had on today knows uh, knows more about aspects of the knows more about different aspects of this than I do for sure. But yeah, no, that's a that's a that's a pretty good roundtable group for sure. Yeah, yeah, cool. What what's cool. your plans for the weekend? Do you do anything interesting? Yes, I'm going to a rock festival. I'm going to a music festival tomorrow called Tropical Pressure. It is Africa Day at Tropical Pressure tomorrow. And then on Sunday, I am going to Truckfest Cornwall, which is all the, mo the monster trucks and, it's, you know. It's, it's living his best life, living his best, li best life. This <laughs> I love to see it. You, great. You, you're, you're, you, you're, good. you're spending it in a speakeasy and then painting the walls with a, uh, uh, some sort of a mural. No, no, I'm not. I'm. I'm actually going to go to a barbecue later on. Um. Uh. But I, I'm going to do it in the middle of rush hour as well. It looks like, which is the worst thing ever on Friday. Friday rush hour from London out. 
you know, it's going to be, oh my God, an absolute nightmare. So I'm not looking forward to this journey, although it'd be nice to see some friends I haven't seen for a while. So yeah. yeah anyway, be, listen, there'll, there'll be food and drink there. That's the reward for, for making the effort. That's it. That's it. It would be like a vegan burger or something. It'd be terrible. No, it would be something disappointing. Well, it's well if it's in shortage. Yeah. Uh, anyway, listen, I'll see you All next week, day. hopefully. All right. Cheers. Take it easy. Bye. Cool.